I want to talk a little bit about discipling. And uh, when we were praying this past Wednesday night uh, at uh, our prayer meeting, it was a very good prayer meeting, by the way, uh, Mike Morgan and Keith and Jeff, all three of them had prayed, each prayed something. And uh, I think Mike Morgan prayed about being the salt and the light of the earth. I mean, we need to be the salt and the light. And then Brother Keith had prayed uh, basically the same thing about being discipleship. And then Jeff also prayed about helping all those in the Philippines. And it kind of helped me do what I want to do here this morning. I want to talk about generating God-empowered actions. And I want to go to Philippians chapter 2, if you can, this morning. Starting at verse... Philippians chapter 2. Let's go there. Starting at verse 12 and 13. We're going to read just two verses, okay? The King James Version of the Bible this morning. Because in my, in, um, my Bible here, the heading is shine as lights in the world. Uh, when you start verse 13. That's in my Bible. And another Bible I was reading this morning, which was another King James Version of the Bible, it said, uh, the heading was, Our Obligations as Christians. So it's our obligations as Christians, and we are to be the salt and light of the world. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Karen. Verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved... As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Actually, if you, what they share here this morning, it could be verse 13. Keith, Jeff, and Pastor Mike are going to the Philippines to do all, th- uh, f- for it is good which worketh it both to will and to do for his good pleasure in their lives. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning. We ask your blessings on this word, Lord God, that you would use these lips of clay to minister your word with power and understanding and that your people would work it out in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know... You and I are under the mighty hand of God. How many believe that this morning? How many believe you're under the mighty hand of God? Come on. Amen. He is the potter. We are the clay. And Philippians, which I just read, is the premise of this whole message. Amen. You work out what God works it to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me say it this way. To step up, you must see your responsibility of allowing God to work in you, be open to God's work, ask you for God's grace, and then begin to step out with what God has done in you and now through you. You have to be able to step up and step out to what God has done in you, and you need to do it. 
How many has God done a work in them? Come on. He's working in you. And you need to be able to go out and be able to use what God has put in your life. That, saints, is a divine generating principle. Okay? You cannot work out, generate, or form until it is in you. You're not going to be able to do a lot of things you want to do. We get a lot of good ideas, but it's got to be in you. So that you could give it out by the Holy Spirit. Not just because there's a lot of good ideas out there. There's a lot of good programs out there. But we want to make it the best program. We want to make it God's program. You want to make it what God has put in you. The definition of generate found a few uh, examples of generate, is to bring things into existence by activating power that propels energy, propels actions, and great things to happen, inspiring others to activation. We want to be able to help others so that we can inspire them to do the same thing. Amen? It also means... Bring into existence. Cause a situation to happen. Bring it into reality. To bring forth, create, form, initiate, originate. Working out what God works in you. That's what we want to do. How many know that God gives us the grace the will, and the power to work, carry out to the end that which He has worked and is working in us, still enabling us to work it out. God puts it in us, we're able to work it out and to activate it and to form it. Come on, saints. It is God producing all and we acting all. God is the author, and we are the actors. God puts it in us. He tells us what we have to do. He tells us how the play is supposed to be. It's all here. And we have to act on it. God must work in us before he can work through us. I think it was uh, Jeff or Keith who prayed Wednesday night about God working in us. He's got to work in us for us to produce anything. You see, saints, God is more interested in the workman than the work. God is more interested in you and me than what we're doing. We have a lot of people doing a lot of things. But sometimes hasn't worked in you. And he's interested in working in you. If the workman is what he ought to be, the work will be what it ought to be. When they go to the Philippines and God is working in them, 
then the work is going to be great. God's divine energy at work in us and through us. I have a declaration that maybe we could all say this morning. It's a declaration that maybe will help us. Maybe you could repeat this with me this morning, if you will, okay? Today, I step up and open every part of my life to what God is working in me. By faith, I will step up and bring into existence those things God has worked into me to inspire actions and engage others. I'll give the Lord some praise this morning. We need to inspire actions. We need to help others. We need to be discipling people. Helping them. That's why this Connect class is so important. And even if you know Jesus, you need to go up to the class. I want you to go to John chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 3 to 9. It's a familiar story. Now, I think a lot of you may know. John chapter 5, verse 3 to 9. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. I'm in this world, got a lot of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed. Waiting, waiting for the moving of the water. They're waiting there. How do you know there's a lot of people waiting? For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus seen him lying there and knew that he already had been in a condition a long time, a lot of people in a condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, what? I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. I have nobody to help me. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, how many know uh, when you want to go out into something and you want to help people, a lot of times there's enemies that come in that stop us from stepping out. I want to just share a little bit about so many enemies that could stop us from stepping out. Boredom. Come on, saints. Boredom. Sometimes we get bored. We get bored with the current state of your life. 
Oh, here I am, just doing everything I got to do. You know, safety every day, blah, blah, blah. I, t- I told you a long time ago, I was bored in the ministry at one time. I was the associate pastor of a church in New York. I had a little office. I used to go get my bagel with egg, bacon every, mo- every morning, get my newspaper, walk up into my office, open up the newspaper, have my bagel, go to the sports section. I'd sit in my office. Ah, oh, drink my coffee. I didn't go pick up my Bible first thing in the morning. I didn't pray the first thing in the morning. I got a bagel. Bacon and egg bagel. Sesame seed. Coffee. Dark. No sugar. Newsday. Newspaper. Turn the sport page. Bored. Bored with the state of uh, state of life. But how many know we just can't stop there? We need to start making changes for a greater you, for a greater future. We have to change. We can't stay bored. And it's the same thing over and over again. It's like little kids who get distracted. Read this little story about a girl who was distracted and bored. During a girl's soccer game, the goalie got a little tired of standing on the opposite side of the field while the rest of her team was playing great offense on the other end. She got bored standing there. Okay? She played with a jersey. She twirled her hair. She chased some butterflies. Now, I know my grandson was a goalie in, in lacrosse and when I went to the college game, but he was ready. Okay, thank the Lord. Chased about finally she just sat down on the grass, completely bored, because they were all playing at the other end. And after picking at the grass for a while, she glanced up to see the other team running toward her, kicking a soccer ball. And the next moment, the ball whirled past her head and into the net. Her boredom cost the team the goal. Your boredom can cost somebody their life. We don't want to get bored. Amen? We don't want to cost somebody their future. And with that comes passivity. Having the desire to do, but not do it. Feeling inadequate. Feeling weak. Having a lack of willpower. A lack of confidence. Let me read you another story. Once upon a time, there was a little bird whom didn't fancy flying south for the winter. The weather turned very cold. little bird decided to take shelter in a farmer's barn. One day in the barn, the little bird made a nice little nest on the floor to keep warm. Along came a cow, deposited a large cow pad all over the little bird and its nest. It was nice and warm, if a little smelly for the little bird inside, but the little bird was very happy and he started to sing in this little cow pad. (laughs) 
And while he was tweeting away, as he was singing soon, he attracted attention of one of the farmer's cats, which decided to investigate. The cat poured away at this steaming pile, found a little bird, pulled it out, and promptly ate it. See, with passivity, we could just lay there and just get eaten up by the devil. Just getting eaten up by the enemy. Then there's negativity. Hello? Oh, hallelujah. And we talk about being negative. Building up thoughts in your head that nothing will work out right. It'll never be. It can't happen. You're going to fail. It's going to fail. Don't even try it. Thinking the whole universe is conspiring against you. So we have passivity. A negativity. Then we have no motivation. We go along and then we have no motivation. Lacking any desire, any drive or enthusiasm to work toward a goal. Come on, saints. Having no ambition for the future. Feeling unhappy. Hallelujah. Hesitating. Hesitance stems from uncertainty or fear of doing the wrong thing or making a mistake. We can't hesitate. And I like this. I, you know, excuses. We could come up with all kinds of excuses not to help somebody or not to do anything. Let me give you ten of the most used excuses. I forgot. No one told me to go ahead. I didn't think it was that important. Wait until the boss comes back. Ask him. I didn't know you were in a hurry for it. That's the way we've always done it. It's not my department. How, how was I to know that was different? I'm waiting for an okay. That's not my job. It's not mine. We could go all kinds of excuses for not stepping out and putting in what God has put into you. I've heard some real nice traffic ticket excuses. An invisible car came out of nowhere. Struck my car and vanished. The other car collided with me without warning me of its intention. As I reached the intersection, a head sprang up, obscuring my vision. I pulled over to the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and drove off the embankment. The pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran over it. The telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of its way when it struck my front end. The indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. Listen, I heard them all. I had a guy hanging out a window one time when I went to arrest him. We couldn't find him. And as he was hanging there, he said, what's the meaning of this? <laughs> oh, I don't know what the meaning of it is. I just come to see you. Say hello. <laughs> I 
Found him in a refrigerator. What, what are you doing here? Oh, I come to see you in the refrigerator. We need to stop excuses. We come on. We need to stop hesitation. We need to stop passivity and stop being bored. Saint stepping out generates something. Holy Spirit power and energy. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration. Sometimes we need to get regenerated. And we need to get regenerated in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. Come on, saints. Regeneration is a new generating power that's in you. And it begins by Holy Spirit regeneration. It begins with the new birth. The Holy Spirit in us. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to put in as much as can be held, contained, to top, to brim, to overflowing. We need to fill ourselves and regenerate ourselves constantly with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Regeneration. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In John 7, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Regeneration. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you have the capacity to generate Holy Ghost presence and power. And the dark kingdom, the enemy will feel it and the people around you that can feel it. Regeneration. Scientists recently discovered a new energy source that could be seen only through a microscope. It is so small, yet it could generate enough energy to power computers, cell phones, and other electronics. But unused batteries leak away its power. And one scientist explained... If you take all the laptop batteries that are produced in one year in the off state, they are leaking an amount of power during that year that we could store in a small nuclear reactor. And that's power that's essentially lost and dissipated just from laptop batteries. And if we continue... To be passive or bored or hesitant, we will leak out 
the power of the Holy Ghost that's in our life to do what God wants us to do. A person who generates things into action creates opportunities to do great things. Do great things. How many of those some people make things happen? Watch things happen, and then they wonder what happened. God wants you to make things happen and create opportunities to do great things. I'll give the Lord some praise this morning. And when we talk about discipling, we need to be, hallelujah, I'm talking to the choir, we need to be developing young leaders. Hello? We need to be developing young leaders to do what needs to be done. Do what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. Whether or not they like to do it, they do it. Young leaders. These are young men. Leaders. That are going there with the Holy Ghost and power. Developing and discipling young leaders to see opportunities to make things happen and then they act on it. They see it, and they act on it. They step out, put their hand to the plow, and they do it. There's a great story in the Bible about Jonathan, son of King Saul. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, and then verse 6 and 7, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, son of Saul, said to a young man who bore his armor, he had an armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that's on the other side. He didn't tell his father. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do all that's in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. And when they go to the Philippines, they're going with the heart of this church. As Keith said, they're going with the heart. Jonathan caused the thing to become a great action. Okay? One man, one helper. One man... One helper changed the whole course of history. One man, one helper changed the whole course of history. They caused a great thing happening because they were willing to get out and do something. One man. Imagine what a whole church could do. One man. All great things. Start with a first step action. You need to get out of the cave and do something. 
We need to generate actions by seeing opportunities. The opportunities are everywhere if we have the eyes to see them instead of seeing the problems. We don't look at the problem, we look at the opportunity. The pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. Oh, we can't do that. We don't have enough money. That's unbelievable. I don't know how it's going to happen. You could, oh, oh. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. There's a story in the Bible that I want to share with you this morning about an opportunity and missed opportunities. Luke 10, verse 30 to 35. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves. They stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, and they left him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn. He took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. We have three different types of people here. Okay? Three different types of people are in this story. We have the takers of mercy. Those who robbed them. Who beat them up. And left them there. The takers. Of this man's life, uh, man, they just beat him up and just left him there. Then we have the talkers of mercy, the priests, the Levites. Take no action. Oh, this guy's over there. I'll go to the other side. You know what I mean? These guys—they all—they're just laying here. What? Who cares about? <laughs> You have the taker, you have the talker. Then you have the giver. Okay? They're the people who see the opportunity and they move into action. I read three little stories here the other day I thought it was very good. And it basically, basically about kids, you know, Young adults, I should say kids, young adults. Older woman was in a grocery store, was short $3. She put a couple of items back on the shelf and had enough money to pay for her groceries. As she was loading her bags into a car, a total stranger came up to her, handed her the two items she put back on the shelf. The woman asked for the stranger's address so he could send money to pay her back. But the stranger refused. This was a college kid. The older woman went to the clerk and gave him a $5 bill to do the same for someone else like her. 
See, when you generate something, that other person seen that. They seen the love. They did the same thing. And they could go on and on and on. High school kid, Anika Abed, wanted to help the people in Haiti after the devastating earthquake. She realized high school kids are always hungry after school. So she brought a popcorn machine, made brownies, and started selling her popcorn and brownies after school for 50 cents each bag or brownie. The bell rang at 2.45 p.m., but Anika stayed until 4.30 every day. She had 600 transactions and donated $300 to the American Red Cross for the Haitian relief where it was used for shelter, for shelter food, and relief. I read this story, and the next day I got a letter in the mail from uh, Pastor Brett Landers, who I'm on his board of directors for his church and uh, his mission in Haiti. And I just gave the letter to Jeff and Keith, and they have 30 kids in the school where they used to have many, many more when we first went to Haiti. But since the earthquake, it's really devastated everything. For $200, we could put uniform, all their supplies, send them to school, and feed them for a year. For a year at school. For a year. Because the annual salary at Haiti is $250 a year. And we could feed those children there in that school, plus educate them and dress them. And I got their pictures, too. In 1995, a 13-year-old, Liana Gonzalez, asked why she could not volunteer in her Boston neighborhood like the older kids and adults. So she started a volunteer course for middle schoolers based on the idea that no one is too young to make a positive difference in the world. The group has grown from, one neighbor, has, has grown from her neighborhood to a na- national scale, and now more than 1,000 middle schoolers along the country uh, across the country, devote every Saturday for six months to volunteering in community service programs like visiting nursing homes, giving them manicures, stuffing care bag- packages for AIDS victims, and landscaping. A junior high school 13-year-old girl. Come on, saints. We don't want to be talkers. We want to be givers. Amen? Generate God-empowered actions. And when you generate a good heart and motive, you know what happens? You mentor somebody else without realizing it. When you have a good heart and good motives, you mentor others and you become a road model and you become a disciple. A discipler, I should say. You show the grace and the mercy, you become a discipler. That's how you disciple people. That's how you help people. Mother Teresa said this, there's a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. There is a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. When people see that you love them and you care for them, they'll love God. Saints, inspire others with your life of passion 
and your life of focus. Inspire others with your attitude toward life and your attitude toward challenges. Patrick Henry Hughes was born blind without the ability to fully straighten his arms and legs, making him unable to walk. He now marches in a 220-plus member Louisville marching band. He plays the piano, plays the trumpet, and he sings. Despite circumstances, Patrick has won numerous competitions and has been featured in ESPN, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, People's Magazine, Ofra, and many more net- other networks, inspiring handicapped and non-handicapped people to pursue their dreams. We could disciple people to pursue their dreams. Amen? Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord God, I ask that you help each and every one of us generate God-empowered actions. That we will go forward and, Lord God, disciple, motivate, love other people. And everyone said, Amen. I'll give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many this morning are going to go out there and do something the next week? Let's go out there. Be inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Love on somebody. You know, me and Pastor Lou and my brother and my, my brother-in-law and my sister, we were on a little boat ride. And we were going down the intercoastal in this nice boat. And there was a lady sitting there. Now, my, you know, my brother-in-law is not saved, and, but he loves Pastor Lou. He just loves Pastor Lou. Uh, who he does it? Because he kisses him and he loves on him. And, and my brother-in-law is a tough piece of work, let me tell you something. And, uh, but he loves Pastor Lou. So we're on this boat ride, and we come and we sit in the lounge, and there was a lady sitting there, and um, she... Uh, she was talking, and my sister and her got into talking, and they, uh, they lived next to each other where my sister has a little part-time job. But don't you think the conversation come to, you know, what do you do? And she was a Jewish lady, very well-proper, dressed, 78 years old, very nice-looking woman. Well, I'm a pastor, and Pastor Lou, that's he was, he's a pastor also. Oh, oh, she says. Well, I'm Jewish. I says, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. She says, uh, yes, Jesus was, uh, was a good man. I says, yeah, he certainly was. You know, we didn't look down at her or anything like that. And then she says, so what denomination? I said, non-denominational. Oh, uh, so I said, we believe in the Bible, the full thing of the Bible and everything else like that, believe in Jesus. Oh, she says, uh, you're not uh, born again. That's the way she did it. So we all said, yes, we are. I love born-again Christians. I just love them. 
oh, okay. <laughs> so we really got started talking, and she wanted to know about, you know, what we thought about Israel, and we, you know, Pastor Lou explained about Israel and about everything else. She goes, oh, good, good. And so now she's going to be visiting my sister. But we just showed her the love of God. Connection. Connection. We're at the pool, and there's a Jewish woman who loves my wife. I got to talk to Mary. And she calls my wife on the phone, and her other Jewish friends, who they say, Don't you talk to that Mary, she will convert you. But, you know, Mary loves honor, talks to her as he wants to sell her house. And so Mary says, okay, I'll, I'll go to pray. Well, okay, can I pray now? Yes, 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 Mary, please pray. So Mary prays, and every day she prays for this Jewish lady, Mickey, who happened to be engaged to Steve Lawrence at one time until Edie Gourmet came along. But uh, we just love on him. Just love on them. Amen? Amen. And make a connection. 